1: No! Oh my God, how could he do that?
2: Are oh you on? Donate cha- What?
1: Charles Darwin. The nerds is where it's at.
3: Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Breber, and alongside me is Logan Camden and today we have some breaking news to react to Kyrie Irving just two days after requesting a trade rather shockingly, might I add, has been dealt to the Dallas Mavericks in exchange for Dorian Finney Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, an unprotected 2029 first and second round picks in both 2027 and 2029. The Nets will also be sending with Kyrie Markeef Morris. Logan, obviously this is uh, Pretty insane how fast things moved here. Potentially a trade that could change the dynamic in a very open West. What do you think about this? Let's start with Dallas's side. How does this impact their ceiling as a contender and the future of their organization?
4: I think that's the exact right question and what we'll kick into on the positive side, right? If everything goes right here in Dallas, you extend Kyrie Irving, uh, you have him as a long-term co-star to Luka Doncic this season uh you know they go all in on this offensive scheme and uh just offensively overpower teams to the NBA finals that's what they would like to have happen right um Dallas is now kind of in a strict eight-man rotation and it's not like you need you don't need crazy depth through the playoffs you know it's like you don't need a you don't need a lot of guys to take over the world. You need three spry MFs with a with a motive, right? With a with an agenda. You need about eight to ten guys when it comes playoff time, but the Mavericks are very, very thin uh, following this trade. It's Luca, Tim Hardaway, Reggie Bullock, Christian Wood, Kleba, Josh Green, Dwight Powell, Kyrie. You know what I mean? Those are the guys that are going to be getting playoff minutes for sure. Um, and that's where it stops. I, I think that. That's the positive side. That's If everything goes right, that's the that's what we see, is that Mavs, they, uh, they're going to be contenders, right? I think on the negative side, I think the more likely thing that we're going to see happen, Carson, is that this team is thin. They don't really have a whole lot of defense surrounding these assets. That's going to come back to bite them on the ass. They aren't super deep. If one of these guys goes down, you're down to seven solid guys and you're playing somebody who's a real liability on the court. And Kyrie has the potential to leave in the offseason if you don't get a deal done in time. And again, Kyrie's super volatile as is, too. It's like, I don't, you know, I mean, if he has a bad day, does he want out of Dallas? You know what I mean? Like, Kyrie's really volatile. And that's another aspect of this equation, too, that makes this hard for Dallas is even in this season. Like, I can look at this in a negative scope in the future and say maybe Kyrie doesn't come back and you've given up all these assets that are very valuable, Again, I I think the Nets crushed this. We'll get on to the Nets side of this in a minute, but DFS, Dinwiddie, and that first, like those are all very valuable assets because of their contracts, because of how they play. You can And, and DFS, I think, is a, a super ver, a valuable piece. But again, they're guys that you'd be able to keep around Luka that work, that are fine with being, you know, playing off of Luka Doncic. And. Kyrie is a is a really big variable, um, and for this season, again, too, you don't know if, where he's going to be at headspace-wise uh, when it comes time for the playoffs. With this fit with Luka and him, it's going to be interesting, Carson. I think it's finding a co-star for Luka Doncic, in my opinion, Carson, is kind of like finding a co-star for Trey Young and in the ways that's difficult, too. Is Luka going to, you know, is this, that was the idea with bringing in Dinwiddie, right? He's a guy that's going to be able to give Luka a breather, you know, is Luca gonna be able to play well off of Kyrie? Is Kyrie gonna be able to take the alleviate some of this pressure off of Kyrie? That's the real question. Um my ultimate opinion, Carson, I think that this isn't gonna work out. I don't think the Mavericks have enough defense to uh surrounding this team to get this thing done. I think that not that Kyrie and Luca are redundant, but I just think that it's gonna be really hard. And I because of the defensive limitations and I just don't think that this offense isn't better than the Denver Nuggets. You know what I mean? When you're going all in on, like, the offense aspect of this, too, it's like you need to be overwhelming. Think about the Brooklyn Nets when they had Harden, Kyrie, and KD. That's the kind of overwhelming force that I think could have gotten through with no defense, with no depth. I don't think the tandem of Luka and Kyrie is overwhelming to the point where they're going to be able to pick up for the lack of defense that's on this team. So, um, props to the Mavericks for making a move, for doing something I guess, for trying to open a championship window, but I don't think this is a I don't think this is gonna work out and I think in many ways this could be a, a very major misstep for the future. Um, yeah, I, I don't like this deal for the Mavericks and I don't think they're gonna win the NBA title this season. Kyrie Irving is a flawed player and a flawed human. And uh, yeah, I I don't like uh, prop for the Mavs for doing something and pulling the trigger on a move. They think that opens their title window. I don't think it does. I don't love
3: this for Dallas either, but they were in a very tricky basketball situation because a year ago they were in the Western conference finals. They have this supernova all time talent in a league where timelines are continuously accelerated You never know how long a guy is going to want to stick around when he could become discontent. And they had a few very clear needs on this roster, but I think the one that people look at first, because it's the flashiest, is that second star creator. And Dinwiddie has actually been pretty good this year, and in fact, my dad and brother just went and saw the Mavs play last night without Luka, and Dinwiddie really impressed them with his shot making and whatnot, and I did say we have seen some guys succeed filling in that volume scoring guard role, like Jalen Brunson, like Spencer Dinwiddie, because, of course, Luka is absolutely amazing, but the Mavs' spacing principles are so good. They play five out so much. They spread things out so much so Luka can attack most effectively, that if you put a lot of scoring guards in that situation, those guys can go to work. But, Regardless, they needed somebody who could do that more effectively than a Spencer Dinwiddie, and they needed a guy who could carry those non luca minutes, and they needed a guy who could be a release valve, another player who you trust to go out and create big-time shots so that defenses can't key in on Luca in big situations, and so that Luca doesn't have to get fatigued by carrying the absurd load that we have seen out of him in recent playoff runs. From a basketball perspective... I think Kyrie Irving does that job really well. Kyrie is one of the best isolation scoring guards ever. He is one of the best pick-and-roll scoring guards ever. He is having another pretty much career scoring season, 27 a night on really good efficiency, and he's been on an unbelievable run as of late. I think some people are characterizing this as a, oh, how are two ball-dominant guards going to work together? I don't consider Kyrie a ball-dominant guard. Kyrie is not a guy who, like a Luka, or a LeBron, or a Trey tries to facilitate every possession and is going to run super high volume pick and roll, and it's going to be either, all right, I'm making my playmaking read, or I'm getting to my spot, no matter what, I'm determining the outcome. No, Kyrie has played with LeBron in a role like he's going to fill for the Mavs. He's played alongside both James Harden and Kevin Durant and thrived in that environment. He is not a control-the-game puppet master type, and therefore I think he is really a pretty much perfect offensive complement for this team. Here's the brutal reality of it, though. They looked at their roster. They said, we're far away. Our timeline, we really don't know what it is. We want to be good as quickly as possible. I understand that pressure. The reality is, though, the biggest mistake and the catastrophe of all of this is that the Mavericks have significantly diminished their roster in trying to get Kyrie, giving up a really quality creator in Dinwiddie and their best two-way wing in Dorian Finney-Smith, along with future assets, when they had a guy who fills this role at probably 85% of the value already on their roster in Jalen Brunson, and they could have retained those other pieces. And yes, they still needed to get better, but when they had a second creator who could give them 22 a night on solid efficiency in the playoffs, who could command those non lucas stretches, and they had... Their best possible defensive personnel on the wings, and we're actually pretty darn good on that end, and we're shooting the ball well. They were a Western Conference Finals team. And with the continued elevation that we've seen from Jalen Brunson this year to where he looks like clearly an all star caliber player when he has that volume of opportunity in New York, I don't know how you look at this and are not regretful of that because Kyrie is obviously still a significantly better offensive basketball player than Jalen Brunson. But this team is in a really difficult situation defensively. 24th in defensive rating right now. We talk about the lack of ball handling and creation alongside Luka. That's an issue. But it's a secondary issue to the fact that they're just bad defensively. Because they've been a top 10 offense because Luka's a supernova. And the shooting around him has picked up as you would expect. And they have really good spacing principles. So that's something they need if they want to try to win a championship. But if they want to be a good team, like a legitimately good team, not a just hanging around slightly above 500 team, they have to defend competently. And giving up Dorian Finney-Smith hurts there. He's your best defensive asset. And they're going to get Maxi Kleba back soon, and he's another solid defender. And Reggie Bullock is a plus defender. But overall, they are lacking a high-level rim protector, and they are now going to have two point-of-attack guards who are clear liabilities without their best wing asset to make up for that. And so, when I look at this roster, I think... Yes, they needed that secondary shot maker. They also need to get a lot better on the wings. And that's partly why I feel a bit uncomfortable with this move. Because I understand. You say Kyrie fills a need for us in a basketball sense. And he's an exceptional player. And he's available. And we want to go grab him. And I do commend Mark Cuban for his aggression in going out there and saying, we will not be complacent. We will not sit by and watch the Luka window dwindle away. He went out, he got Kristaps Porzingis. Now he's gone out, he got Kyrie Irving. But, what I'm concerned about is that your roster is still too far away in my opinion. Like, yes, they're going to be a dynamic offense. I don't think they have the depth or the defensive personnel to legitimately contend at this point. So now, you're all in on this core, you've gone all in for Kyrie, when. Down the line, dude, like, yeah, you don't just want to sit there stagnant for a year, especially when the West looks open. But I do think other stars are going to become available, man. I think at some point, Bradley Beal is going to have to come available in Washington. Maybe it's next year, but that's a guy who could fill that secondary shot-making role. Regardless, I just think the NBA, in today's state, guys come available more than you think. So they go out there and they snag the first guy, but the roster's far away. An extension is... Not guaranteed. We don't know what sort of conversations they've had internally, but guess what? Honestly, I don't think anything Kyrie says to you even matters. He guaranteed he was going to stick around in Boston to thousands of people in the stands and millions of people on TV, and then he dipped and left a really good basketball situation. So, to me, when you are not championship good, no matter what, in my opinion, just given the limitations they have elsewhere on this roster... Kyrie is not the guy you want to go get because there's too much risk there. And I'm not talking about in a basketball sense. I'm talking about in a Kyrie Irving sense. He could be unhappy with the winning. He could be unhappy with being second filled to Luka. He might not like living in Dallas. Like, there's just so many factors for him. Not to mention that his health is a legitimate concern at all times. Three of the last five seasons, Logan, Kyrie Irving has ended Injured and has been either unable to contribute to his team in the playoffs or his team was not in the playoffs because he was injured. So I understand it. I understand why you pulled the trigger, but I was much more inclined to like this move for a team like the Lakers where it was, hey, we might as well go all in. Let's push all our chips. We have 38 year old LeBron. We already have Anthony Davis. Our supporting cast already sucks. Let's just try to have overwhelming firepower. The Dallas Mavericks are not in that situation, Logan. Their best player is 23 years old. I know it doesn't feel like they have time, and I know it's disappointing, and I know that their roster isn't where it needs to be, but my concern is you go all in on Kyrie, and if things go south here, if he leaves eventually, if he demands a trade, whatever. If in a couple years this seems to be fizzling out, you are screwed. And I don't know how many more cracks at this thing you're going to get with Luka Doncic. Like, to me, it just makes sense to try to build up the rest of the roster as much as you can because you need that no matter what. And then when that second star you feel really comfortable with is there, you take it. And I understand nothing is guaranteed in the NBA, but I'm telling you with the level of player mobility that we see right now, like last year we we saw CJ McCollum get flipped. This year it's Kyrie Irving. Next year there's going to be another guy. And there's a lot of dynamic scoring guards out there. So... I think that, yeah, this raises their ceiling because if they can get really engaged defensively, even with personnel limitations, they can be okay there. I don't think they have last year's ceiling, but they can be okay, and they can be really good offensively. But I don't think they can reach a high enough ceiling defensively to become a true championship contender. And uh, given that, I just don't want Kyrie Irving here because guess what? I think the majority of the outcomes here lead to this failing, lead to Kyrie wanting out. I mean, if you think Kyrie's staying anywhere for the entirety of a max contract, I would have to question your awareness of his behavior patterns. And it's just, to me, two rose-colored glasses to look at this all and say, wow, it's a really good basketball fit. I think it's going to work out perfectly. Not how it works with Kyrie. He was on the most talented offensive team ever, and it's not his fault purely, but guess what? It fell apart. It crumbled. Nothing is guaranteed and it's just a very, very high-risk situation, in my opinion, when I don't know that the reward is quite high enough to justify it.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, if you don't get a chip with Kyrie, um, this is a failure. Yeah, if Kyrie moves on, this is a failure. I mean, the, I think the biggest thing you hit on, Carson, is like in the ways that they didn't retain Jalen Brunson, right, if you think the Mavs should have paid him. So you lose out a guy who's perfect alongside Luka Doncic absolutely perfect, can play on ball, can play off ball in minutes where Luka's not out there in entire games. I mean, you saw when Luka was injured, you know, Brunson's dropping 30 pieces on people's heads. You can apply that same kind of logic here to, and again, I mean, it's like an ego thing. You can apply that exact same logic here to Dinwiddie and Finney Smith. No, they're not guys who are going to win you an NBA title right now. Dorian Finney-Smith is not going to go out there and drop 30 a night in a playoff run. Neither is Spencer Dinwiddie. But what they do is invaluable fucking jobs for your team, and they don't have egos about themselves where they're like, I need to be the star. I need to be this guy. Dorian Finney-Smith will sit in that fucking corner making 40% of his threes, defending his ass off all game, while Luka does what Luka does. And he does his job. DFS is one of the best guys at doing his job in the league. He's an invaluable asset. And again... If you don't win it with Kyrie, guess what? You gave up a guy who fit perfectly alongside Luka. You gave up a very, very efficient scoring guard. Spencer Dinwiddie this season's putting up 18-6 on 45-41 splits. He's playing his role to perfection and it's like it's again, it's the opportunity cost. What did you give up? What did you give up in this situation? And if you don't get a if you don't get a ring out of this or if Kyrie leaves, yeah, I would consider it a failure and like you said, Carson it doesn't take two guys to win a ring. You need all this depth throughout the levels, and that's a thing. You're dwindling your depth for one star, and I, I just I wouldn't have done it. I think you're right. I think this move made more sense for LA, and I don't know, dude. I think in a lot of ways, like you said, dude, I think it could hurt this team in the long run a lot more than it than it could benefit um, in a lot of ways. And I wonder again, too, dude. Like, I know they're trying to appease Luca. I know they want Luca to feel like he can win a title and has the assets to go and do it. But if Kyrie quits on Dallas or something, or if this explodes in their face too, I mean, what if Luca comes out, out of this at the end and goes, Man, I don't I don't know if I want to be here anymore or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, I it's uh will I'll reference the Avengers, Carson, right? You know, Doctor Strange and his infinite number of realities, bruh. I don't think this is the reality where the Mavs get that chip, get that ring with Kyrie Irving. I, I I, think they're too flawed. I don't think they have enough depth. I don't think that Kyrie puts them over the top offensively. And I think this is going to blow up in their face. I, I think this is going to blow up in the Mavs' face.
3: I think you put it well with the term opportunity cost. And it's not just the assets. It's the time. Because, again, you're now committed to Kyrie. You are going to give a max contract. Or at the very least, you're going to try, and you're pretty confident right now that you're going to. And if you don't, then if I were Luka Doncic, I would probably leave because that is now not really even a salvageable basketball situation. I understand it, especially in a year where things do feel relatively open out west. That being said, I still think that Denver is considerably better. I think that Denver has a considerably higher defensive ceiling that they've demonstrated. I think that their role players are much better, more multifaceted, and I think that their best player is still better. I mean, the margin is slim against Luka, but that's what I think. In bottom line, you're not going all in. You're not changing the fabric of your franchise just to try to get out of your conference. You're doing it to try to win a title, and I do not think the Dallas Mavericks could knock off the Boston Celtics or the healthy Milwaukee Bucks and so I can't sit here and shred the move because I do see the vision I do see the vision of okay let's dial back in defensively let's just make sure we're at least competent on that end and see how high this offense can take us but I'm really worried about that defense man without Finney Smith it's like just not good personnel and they were a very good defense with okay personnel last year but Now they have overall, below-average personnel, certainly. I'm concerned about how things are headed in
4: Dallas. I want to ask you, too, uh, just really quick, when you were bringing up that stuff about Jalen Brunson, so, I mean, if your take on that, do you think that they should have paid whatever it took to bring him back? I do. And
3: uh, it's hard because... The bottom line is it's hard to build a championship roster, and that's why it's hard to shred going out and get a basketball player the caliber of Kyrie Irving, even with all the factors we've considered, the roster being far away, his pure lunacy, his health issues. It's hard to build a championship roster, and even with Jalen Brunson, I think they would have needed to get better. I think they would have needed to add probably like one more real high-level wing Better than the guys who they've had because I like Dorian Finney Smith a lot, but he shouldn't be your best wing if you're trying to win a title. Like, if they could have had a guy, Andrew Wiggins' caliber, not saying Andrew Wiggins would for any reason become available, but think that kind of guy, like a top 40, really good two way wing.
4: I mean, and, and, and then that and would have Nolte been a title roster. A, yeah.
1: Well, uh,
3: sure. OG, right? I mean, that would have been the ideal path if they could have kept Jalen Bronson. And then obviously everything would look different, but they still could have had Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. And you put together a similar package to what you put together for Kyrie for an OG on an OB. And I think that this is like a title caliber team. Like, I, I think that unfortunately now they have limited themselves to where they've only filled one of those needs when theoretically they perhaps could have filled both. And that would have been a title roster because last year's roster was better, but still wasn't a title-caliber roster. Like, it was a surprise that they got to the Western Conference Finals. But I do think Brunson would have been good enough in that second role if they were really good on the wings. And, unfortunately, now they're pretty depleted on the wings.
4: Yeah, I I completely agree. And uh, my final thing, I think, about the Kyrie deal, too, is that – or about the Kyrie aspect of this, too, is – so you've given up these assets – Kyrie Irving is not a, a an appreciating asset. He's a depreciating mm-hmm. asset. Like, you yeah. give him this big contract. Like, you brought up bringing, trading for Bradley Beal earlier, too. You know, Beal's making $50 million. He's going to be a hard well, guy to trade point. for, too. And he's getting older. Um, Kyrie, I mean, is... Look, I'm, I'm not going to, like, predict a guy's fall off or something, but Kyrie's getting older. He's going to be on a very big contract and once more, we already know he's a head case, he's full of drama, he likes it, it seems like it. If Kyrie raises his hand and, again, is upset for all, any of the myriad of reasons you laid out, Carson, mm-hmm. not enough team success, too much team success, not being the guy, <laughs> tired of living in Luca's shadow, he's upset that the earth is flat today or something, man. <laughs> Whatever it may be, if Kyrie decides to say, I want out of Dallas, who the fuck wants him? He's going to be yeah. making a bunch of money. He's getting older, and this is the umpteenth time we've seen in a situation where again, a team has made this decision, and it's huh it baffles me, Carson, like in a in a Einsteinian yeah. way, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Oh yeah, man, Kyrie's our guy. Let's let's go get yeah. him. I, it just hasn't worked, and again. At the end of this, if you have to move on from Kyrie, you're not getting back the value of what you gave up because Kyrie is a depreciating asset and he's just burning bridges. I, I hope it I hope we see a, a Mavs playoff run or some sort of success mm-hmm. to justify this. Um I, I I don't see it. I mean, I would be genuinely I would be impressed if the Mavs just got back to the Western Conference Finals with this group. And mm-hmm. there is a way, like you said. League average defense, Kyrie and Luka going to work, giving you almost 30 a night. Yeah. And great shooting, elite perimeter shooting. That's the path. Yeah. But again, we're talking ceiling. The ceiling with that vision, in my eyes, is a Western Conference Finals loss.
3: I think that I probably agree. And uh, you make a great point about Kyrie being a. a depreciating asset because I saw somebody tweet out about oh well even if this doesn't work out if Kyrie doesn't want to extend you can try to work out a sign and trade or somewhere down the line if things aren't working out no there is no flipping Kyrie at this point I refuse to believe it like (laughs) we saw it this time right but at some point you have to look at the track record of teams who are so-called contenders who are on paper contenders and yet this is year six since Kyrie has left Cleveland he's been in a ba- he's been in one of those situations every year except for 2019-20 when KD was hurt and then he was hurt for most of the year and he hasn't made a conference finals one of his teams has made a conference finals without him he has not made a conference finals he has consistently either ran from great basketball situations or undone great basketball situations and if this is the fourth then I don't know, man. I think there comes a point where you have to be aware enough that you can't delude yourself into that. Like, desperation is eternal. Logan, did you just stub your toe or something? He's screaming in pain silently.
4: I have just caught the most vicious cramp of my life.
3: He's cramping. <sighs> Kyrie has put some sort of demon on him.
4: I didn't mean to sidetrack the pot. I am cramping up so hard in my left leg right now.
3: Oh, I'm really sorry, man. Well, I guess my point was that I think the Kyrie circus is on its final stop. And uh, that's not to say that if this goes south, nobody will take him for anything. But I don't know what his value is going to be. You're certainly not getting 90 cents on the dollar. I mean, you're getting ripped off given the caliber of pure basketball player that he is because of the negative that he is in so many other ways. So... Let's look at some of the other angles of this deal. We mentioned the Lakers, why we felt that he would have been a smarter gamble for L.A. to take. How much do you think they regret missing out on this? By the way, I will add that LeBron just tweeted a few minutes ago, maybe it's me. So clearly he's going through it, probably bumping some Marvin's room right now. How does L.A. come out of all
4: this? Um, I mean, yeah, I think... I think Los Angeles is uh, is upset, but I mean, if you look at this in any prism, I don't know how the Lakers were ever going to have enough assets to get this deal done. Um, they give up Russell Westbrook, uh, a pair of future first, and Lonnie Walker. Sick. That's awesome. I mean, those firsts are crazy valuable. I do want to say that, that if, if they had thrown two on the table, I don't know what the you know deal would have been. Uh, those firsts are going to be super valuable, but – It's like, why the fuck? The Nets still want to contend. Have you looked at the Nets roster? The Nets roster is great. Top to bottom, like, they have great depth, they have great pieces, and they have an identity. Russ coming in there would fuck everything up, and you're not, you know, I think this deal makes... It's not one-to-one. It's not apples-to-apples, but it's very close to 90-100 to to... And what I mean by that is the amount that they got back for Kyrie. Uh, I think they you know, they got players that are going to come in and step into this rotation and be impactful, good pieces. Um, so I don't think the Lakers ever had the assets to get this thing done unless the Nets were just banking on those future firsts, which, like you mentioned in our last episode too, Carson, they need because they gave up a fuck ton in the James Harden deal. Um anyway, I mean, I think the Lakers should be upset, and, but I don't know what they could have done, you know, I mean, this is all on LeBron, this is all because you got Russ, like, it's, and again, dude, I still don't understand the, the, the crowd that thinks Russ is a valuable asset in any kind, he's, he's horrible, he stinks, I, I think Russ is a great human being, I think he's a good person, um, whippy, he's, he's not a positive basketball asset, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if they had gotten Kyrie, I think the Lakers would be legit contenders out in the West this season. Um, it would be very similar to the title run I think in 2020 with less depth. But uh, I think the Lakers are—I don't know what the Lakers do at this point. Uh, you've sadly they've—they're going to waste a year of LeBron again. You know, one of the final years of LeBron. Um, AD can't stay healthy. I think they should. I think they should be upset that they couldn't get a deal done, but I don't think they ever had the assets to get the deal done. But the biggest thing is that you're wasting a year of LeBron, and that's criminal. That's genuinely criminal.
3: I agree. And I also agree that, bottom line, Brooklyn saw a more enticing win-now package from Dallas because they still have Kevin Durant, dude, and I think the one scenario that they want to avoid in all this is KD looking at the roster that he already – gave that little subtle diss to early in the year with that Rolling Stone interview, I believe it was, have him look at this roster and say, yeah, I need to get out of this situation too because they have Kevin Durant, and it doesn't matter if, yeah, maybe the most likely outcome of all this is that they don't win a title, and like theoretically then they'd be better just rebuilding because apparently nothing ever matters if you're not winning a title. We do sometimes look at things through that lens a bit too much, I think, in the entire basketball world, and I can be guilty of that too. But you have Kevin Durant, you want to keep Kevin Durant. And bottom line is Russell Westbrook, yeah, is just a guy who you look at and say, okay, great, he's a contract that we're taking off your hands so that then he'll be off our hands because he's an expiring. And what do we really care about 2027 and 2029 first when we have Kevin Durant on our roster? And if we lose Kyrie and don't get anything back, then we're an obvious first-round exit kind of team. So, I think that you're right on that front. Nevertheless, it sucks for them. LeBron he has a tendency to be like this with the passive aggression, with the little angsty teenager vibes, and I understand Ooh, his frustration. Bro, he's, a t-
4: he's a teenage girl, man. He's a teenage girl, bro.
3: Yeah, bro, should honestly go and ask FM and get all his feelings out there. He should <laughs> ask himself questions and then answer them very frankly. But I do understand his frustration. This sucks. Rob Polink is a bad GM. I think the Genie Buss is yeah. a bad owner, and he's in a bad basketball situation. And unfortunately, another year of remarkable feats from him is going to mostly go to waste in the scheme of things. Let's talk about the Nets. What do you think of this actual return haul for them? How does this impact their ceiling? Like, how good is this Nets team still?
4: It all depends. I was going to say, you know, on how much KD buys into this, it's all how well they work off KD. I mean, I do see a world in which the Nets can win a playoff series and make things interesting. This team's deep, dude. This team is fucking solid. Uh, KD, Royce O'Neal, Nick Claxton, Seth Curry, TJ Warren, Cam Thomas, Patty Mills, my boy De'Ron Sharp, who's inactive on inbounds passes just completely unaware that was a hilarious clip uh for my boy Dayron. um yeah i mean i really like brooklyn dude i like brooklyn a lot and if i'm being honest god man i i don't want this carson cap me because sometimes i I get a little overzealous i I, i need you i need you to cap me if i'm off the rails here i maybe like brooklyn more with dinwiddie in dfs than with Kyrie. like call me crazy i I mean, like, I understand, and the history of basketball shows us, too, that you need – you normally need two high-level perimeter creators. You need guys that in big moments are going to be able to go out there and get you tough buckets, and Kyrie does that. Kyrie puts you over the top. He hit maybe the clutchest shot of all time right in 2016. Kyrie's a great closer. I just think – I mean, DFS is invaluable. The defensive ceiling I think this team is going to be able to reach with him on the court, I mean – Royce O'Neal, like like you're going Dinwiddie, O'Neal, KD, uh, DFS, you know, Nick Claxton at the five, dude, I mean, you've got a really versatile, tall, long, switchable defensive lineup. You've got shooters all up and down this roster. Uh, It sounds like Joe Harris is getting shopped and could get moved as well. I don't really think he's... We've had this brief conversation on the pod, too, those one-dimensional guys, and when you have shooters like Patty, like Cam, like TJ, like O'Neal, like DFS now, who are more multifaceted and versatile than a guy like Joe Harris, you can move off of a guy like that, and they just have inherently less value. Um, so I don't want to say that like I like them more without Kyrie, because Kyrie's a killer, and I don't want to downplay what Kyrie is, but I think there's definitely... I'm hoping for more harmony here. Um, I don't know if that's wishful thinking. And I, I, I do, like, I, I want to ask you this too, Carson. With the change, I guess the second biggest name value guy here, is there any more pressure on Ben Simmons now um, at all that, that now that Kyrie's gone? Like, I, I saw some report, uh, it was such a stupid picture, uh, report KD is less than enthralled with Ben Simmons no shit we're all less than enthralled with what Ben Simmons is we have been for seven years now you know um so look I, I like them I think that they're going to be a really good three and D team and KD is going to have to be healthy and lead this team fully um I like them a lot too it opens the door a little bit for more Cam Thomas minutes which after that game the other night good lord man uh 40-piece, and I think sub-30 minutes, dude. Absolutely disgusting. That's what Cam Thomas does. He gets buckets. Uh, Carson Breber favorite Cam Thomas, bro. The GOAT. And maybe that's why I was also fired up, too. I was like, man, fuck Kyrie. We got Cam Thomas, bro. We're going to be fine. Um, I like I like the Nets a lot. I love their depth. I love the defensive ceiling that I think they're going to be able to reach. They have a ton of shooting. They're long. They've got Yuta Wat- Watanabe, man. I mean... And KD's gonna lead the charge. I I really like the Nets a lot. I think they got back decent value for Kyrie. I think they're gonna be a really tough team to deal with night to night, too. And uh I'm hoping for harmony in this locker room, dude. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Do you uh do you think they got back requisite value? Do you think their ceiling has changed after this move?
3: I think their ceiling is lower. And uh it's not just because of how good of a basketball player Kyrie is. It's also just a matter of roster needs. Like, I look at Dallas and I say they really need good two-way wings. I look at Brooklyn and I say, well, we've already seen them when they're fully healthy and engaged, reach a pretty high defensive ceiling this year. Nick Claxton is a phenomenal defensive weapon who gives them a very high ceiling when they have other rangy switchable long wings your Royce O'Neal's your Kevin Durant's I don't think that they need a Dorian Finney-Smith in the same way that the Mavs do and then Kyrie's secondary creation alongside KD is what makes this offense really scary because otherwise like yeah it's KD who's this unbelievable all-around weapon and has grown as a facilitator and is always going to be probably in my opinion the most lethal scorer in basketball but there isn't that kind of dynamic creation around him that makes this like a all-around title-caliber team to me, where it's absolutely elite offense and really, really good defense, too. So I do think that they took a step back, and I don't think that they really have the firepower now to go head-to-head in a series with healthy Boston, healthy Milwaukee, and win. It would require insane Spencer Dinwiddie, which is not something that I want to bet on. He's been really good this year, but he does have a tendency throughout his career to be erratic and at times inefficient. And it's just many steps down from Kyrie Irving night to night. The level of offensive brilliance you see from him complimenting KD in this entire roster. So I think that they're not in that same tier. I feel pretty confident about that. I still do think they can win a playoff series. I don't really know About beyond that so that hurts I love Cam Thomas Cam Thomas is another guy who just to tie it back into the phenomenon that I was talking about early in this podcast at the beginning with Dinwiddie impressing my dad and my brother last night it's like listen if you give skilled guards good spacing and a lot of touches this isn't a one-off with Cam Thomas we've seen him now score 44 but we saw him drop 33 earlier in the year on a night When everybody else was out, we saw him score 30 last year. Like The dude is a tough bucket, and if you put him in a position where he can go out there and show, like, yeah, he may not be the most all-around winning basketball. He may not be a good offensive engine at this point, but he can go get buckets. But yeah, as exciting as that may be, he is not really filling any of that Kyrie Irving value. So I think this sucks for Kevin Durant, and I think it sucks for the Nets, and I really wanted to... uh, see this team at least try to reach their potential. And they were. When KD was healthy and Kyrie was healthy and this team was really playing their asses off defensively, they had, I thought, a title ceiling. Probably a little bit of an outside chance, but a title ceiling.
4: Exactly. And that's – thank you. I mean, you set that up perfectly. And that's exactly what makes this entire thing so fucking frustrating with Kyrie. I mean, I think he genuinely left for a worse basketball situation – a worse basketball fit, worse talent around him. Like, any way you look at this, this is a common Kyrie Irving L, bruh. It's just disappointing because I wanted this to be the one for KD. I wanted this to be the one that we see go through. It's been dashed, you know, previous years. KD getting hurt sometime in Oklahoma City, right? KD's foot being on the line against the Milwaukee Bucks. James Harden deciding he wants to jump ship and not run this thing back. For Kevin Durant's sake, for a guy that you can see just so passionately loves the game and just so he just wants to cement his legacy as one of the greatest players of all time and one of the guys who, like, not necessarily did it on his own, but took a team on his back as the best player without a bunch of all stars, a loaded cast around him like the Warriors, and to finally get that chip. And I thought this team could do it exactly like you, Carson. I thought this Nets team was capable of winning a championship. We've seen the defensive ceiling. We've seen the shooting. And with two top-end stars like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two offensive supernovas, you don't need much else other than great shooting and great defense. And the Nets had it. And I I feel feel like... (laughs) I don't know, man. I feel like disrespected that we didn't get to see this thing play out. I feel like uh, I feel like somebody just baked a cake in front of me and then just like smacked it out of my hand. You know, they were like, here you go. And then I wanted to see the cake get eaten too. And I, I thought the Nets had a real chance. I don't think the Nets have a path to a title now. I don't think the Mavs have a path to the title uh, either. Uh, you know, and that's what's so frustrating. I wanted to see this Nets team finally play it out. I was Looking forward to it, bro. I was really excited, and Kyrie does it again. Here's what I do hope to see from the
3: Nets. There is reporting that they are going to continue to try to be aggressive, use the picks that they've just required, which, of course, is that 2027 first from Dallas. They also already have that 2027 first from Philly, and go out there and make another move or two to improve at the deadline. And if they're able to flip this all, and I don't know what combination it would be, but you have a mid-size contract in Joe Harris. I don't think anybody is taking Ben Simmons as nice as it would be to match evenly with another star contract. You got two plus years of Ben Simmons left. I don't think anybody is taking that contract on because it's not like the Nets have an overwhelming wealth of picks that they can attach with that because Ben Simmons is a negative asset at that contract. But. As has been discussed, this could be a very active deadline. There are a lot of teams that you look at that are rich with talent, but aren't quite that good that may be looking to move off of a really good player. And I think you look at Toronto, all the talk overall has been about OG Ananobi. I think that he would help pretty much any situation in terms of winning basketball. But what would probably make more sense for Brooklyn would be Fred Van Vliet with his playmaking, with his shot making from the perimeter. And again, I don't know what exact package you give up there. Maybe it's Harris, Dinwiddie, and a couple of firsts. I don't know if that's too much value to give up for Van Vliet at this point. As I say it out loud, it might be. But he's a gettable guy, right? Like, it's not, oh, my God, the haul we would have to give up for Fred Van Vliet would decimate our roster, and I think he could really help because I do think they need more of that dynamic offensive creation right now. He's had a bad year, but, Logan, last year you were saying Fred Van Vliet needed to be an all-star starter. Like, this is a really good all-around basketball player. Or it could be a just really good big wing who isn't just that, okay, defense, spot-up shooting, a bucket-getting guy like a Kyle Kuzma was on that fringe star level. I think he could become available. Like, that's my point, is that there is a way for this roster to still improve to the point where maybe they do become title caliber again. And so in that sense... Hope is not lost in Brooklyn, but they've definitely taken a step back, and I wonder if they would have been better served trying to squeeze more future assets out, because if you're looking at the flip perspective, that's going to be more attractive to those teams that are trying to sell, because they're not going to care so much about Spencer Dinwiddie or or Dorian Finney-Smith or Joe Harris probably, they would really like that 2025 first from Dallas in addition to the 2027 or what have you. But I also get that they need to protect their floor here and say, okay, if we can't flip something, we need to at least get solid win-now value. So I think there's a way that they can play their hand here where they still do get a decent amount better by the deadline. And we may look at this and say, hey, they got off Kyrie. They don't have to deal with the fact that that relationship was broken and he was going to leave, like clearly there was no saving that relationship. They don't have to deal with the headaches of Kyrie day-to-day too, and they're still a really good basketball team. That would be a win, and I hope that that happens for Brooklyn because if not, I think that Kevin Durant is gone after this year. He already requested a trade last year. I think he would be perfectly justified in doing so if this roster does not improve from where it stands currently. Like They're going to be pretty darn good, but just because of Kevin Durant, primarily. You take him off, and it's not a particularly good roster. But I don't think we will see him become available at this deadline. Like, I know there was a report that, oh, the Suns would be interested in Kevin Durant. The Nets seem committed to trying to continue to build a strong roster around him, and I would think that he's fine seeing it through this season. And honestly, even if he did say, hey, I want out, I don't, know that the Nets would need to honor that with four days to the deadline because might as well play it out and see what happens
4: yeah and I don't I think you're right about like if KD leaves but I don't really think that's I think KD would be smarter in my opinion I'm not gonna tell KD what to do and if he wants to find a ring in a better basketball situation where he thinks you know some place is easier um or you know would benefit him more all for it I mean I think Personally, I I don't know, man. I, I think KD should make himself a home here in Brooklyn and maybe see this thing through. I I think the Nets have enough assets, like you said, though, Carson, moving forward. Again, that's the thing that people, if you're not rebuilding and selling for picks, or you know what I mean? We always go to these polar ends, like you were saying. You either need to be tanking or you need to be winning a title. When you're in a situation like Brooklyn, when you get all these good assets, I mean— you're not, you're not losing value with any of these guys. You can still move them and get value back. That's why I think, I don't know, if KD did come back next season, I still think there are moves on the table to make. To the, What I'm saying is the Nets have assets to go out and get a big dog if KD chooses to come back here next season. And they could move those assets and get a big dog and still have a lot of fucking really solid depth throughout their roster to where when you get that big dog, you're not losing – you know, you're not losing your entire roster quite like what the Mavs did. And I'm not saying the Mavs had a ton of depth to go out and do this, but they're the prime example of a team who it is really hard to go out and get a star because your roster's not deep. You have eight guys. You're one injury away from from being screwed. I don't know. I I would like to see KD see it through here in Brooklyn. But again, I also want to see KD on a legitimate contender and have a chance at winning a title because we've got, uh, to be realistic, we have probably four to five seasons left of, Maybe less. You know, I, time is. I don't know how much time we have left of Elite KD, but I want to see Elite KD. Fundamentally, as a basketball fan, I want to see the best players on the best stages. And as of right now, I will stand on it. I would take Kevin Durant over any other player in the NBA if you gave me one choice, one player for a playoff run. I would take Kevin Durant.
3: And that's why I don't have any expectation of him making a home in Brooklyn like some people feel oh he made his bed let him lie in it he's the one who wanted Kyrie he's the one who wanted James Harden eh. eh. to me I feel like a lot of those people are anti-player mobility and it's like yeah there's definitely something kind of messed up maybe about taking a franchise saying this is the direction that I want things to go oh it doesn't work out I'm out of here I understand having gripes with that definitely sucks if you're the management of that franchise bottom line is Kevin Durant's going to be 35 years old next year he is still every bit as good as he's ever been I want to see him in a situation where he can contend for a championship it's that simple so I would not have a problem with him taking his own interests into his own hands and frankly I expect that he will do that again he already tried to do it this past Any other thoughts about this? Any perspectives that we missed? We're going to, I think, come out in a couple days, do a little bit more trade deadline preview content. It's a crazy week, obviously. We have all this going on leading up to the Super Bowl. We're going to have a Super Bowl preview episode with a fun guest appearance, so stay tuned for that. That'll be towards the end of this coming week. But, Logan, no final thoughts.
4: Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm just... uh, Just happy to be alive. I'm just mad at Kyra. I'm just mad at Kyrie, man. I'm just mad at Kyrie. He's bruh. a frustrating character. I I've really, I really wanted to, I really wanted this one to see through, bro. I thought KD and Kyrie had a chance to. That's what that is. I guess that's the final aspect that I'll leave on, dude. Is that we had a chance to see two guys. I mean, really, I, I, I've used this again, but to cement their legacy, to change their legacy for the better, for, I mean, all time stuff. KD gets this ring as the guy, and we're talking about him as man, is he better than Bird all time? You know, or are you putting him in your top? I'm serious. A ring like that from KD, with what he did with those old Warriors teams, with what we've seen in the past, you know, after post-injuries, if he got another ring, KD would cement himself in that top notch. And Kyrie, for as big of a fucking nutcase as he is, as many teams that he has already quit on, Kyrie had a chance. He is nice. That boy nice. Um... He would have got his second ring as the second guy, and that matters too, Kyrie. And you would be, you'd still be a head case. You would still be clinically nuts. You'd be, that wouldn't matter. We'd let that go by the wayside because you got a chip with your boy, and you finally followed through on something that you said you were going to do. And Kyrie is who who I thought he was. And sadly, KD got boned hard, hard.
3: That's a big graphic, but yeah, I agree from the legacy perspective, and this is what I made a TikTok about and addressed in our Kyrie Requests a Trade podcast. His legacy has become insanity. It has become just lunacy off the court. The earth is flat. I'm like Martin Luther King Jr. because I'm not getting the vaccine, promoting a documentary with anti-Semitic content. Requesting out of really good basketball situations. That has been Kyrie's legacy since he had one of the most iconic moments in NBA history, partly because that would be anybody's legacy, but also because he hasn't given the basketball moments to supplant those things, right? He hasn't been to a conference finals. He hasn't been good in the playoffs. He hasn't been consistently healthy enough. So even though Kyrie's gotten better in a pure basketball sense and has shown that in the regular season, He hasn't had the legacy impacting moments because nobody cares if you drop 50 or even 60 in December or January. Maybe you get a a flashback post from NBA history in a few years. It's not the kind of moment that will erase all of the mayhem that he has caused around the league for a half decade now. And you're right. This was an opportunity to, to some extent, write that and improve his legacy and say, yeah, those moments are all there, but look at this bookend here. I've done something incredible on the basketball court again because he doesn't have that moment in seven years.
4: And, I mean, even if he just went back this season and you saw it through, even if you guys don't end up with a chip and you and KD make some fierce conference finals run or something, man, but again, Kyrie is running away. And I was just to Kyrie, do you like need a hug or something, man? Do you just like need somebody to tell you like that, that we need you and that we like you and we want you here? Like, like, what's your what's your deal, bro? I'll give you a hug if you need one, Kyrie. I will. That's
3: that is really very sweet of you, Logan. And we'll make sure that he gets that message. Well, there you have it. There's all our <laughs> thoughts on the Kyrie trade. I really do think that this is. Bottom line, still exciting. Like, it's frustrating, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm excited to see Luca play with the best player who he's played with yet. And I will say that's one more thing that I was thinking about when you were saying that he could be tough to put a co-star alongside in a Trey Young-type way. I do think Luca's very ball-dominant inherently. I also think, though, that he has much more versatility to his game than that. Like, we've seen the Mavs try to run a lot more through the post with him this year because he can excel there, and then you're saving – Some energy for him he doesn't have to initiate every possession you're giving defenses a different look it's just less predictable and so we'll see how this entire relationship works I think for the most part it's going to be hey Luka doing his thing most possessions but then Kyrie just takes that bit off of Luka's plate like I don't think we're going to see Luka you know doing a ton off the ball right I don't think we're going to see Luka being a ready volume catch and shoot threat where Kyrie's running a ton of possessions. No, but Kyrie is going to be the most dynamic shot maker who he has played with and the best release valve who he has played with by far and a guy who does operate well off the ball, not in like a Steph Curry sense, moving around, creating opportunities, but in a, hey, give me the ball when you have attracted the attention of the defense or just when you need somebody else to go make a play and he will do so quickly and very, very effectively. So I like the fit. I think it's always fun to have star mobility in the NBA. I just do, and I think sometimes the league is more dependent on it than it should be for the masses because when people say they get more excited about this stuff than the games, I think for a lot of people who aren't like in love with the NBA product night tonight, that is true. But, hey, good for the league. Gets people talking about it, and so it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. Paul Buon Buon, I hope that... Oh, man, it's two days until the next Taco Tuesday. I don't really know what he's going to do until then. I have have a feeling that it's going to be pretty dark. And maybe I'll watch some Looney Tunes to get through it. So with that, as always, appreciate you guys listening to the pod. We are always coming out with content. We're machines. So follow us on TikTok at NerdSesh, Instagram, same handle, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh. YouTube, I think I'm going to make a video about this topic perhaps. So go ahead, check there, get some... In-depth basketball thoughts from us, almost weekly analysis content, very good place to follow us, join our Discord if you want to be able to talk sports with us at all times. We're trying to build out that community, would be a, a fun place to have a dialogue about the Kyrie thing, so you can find that link in our link tree, which is in the bio of any of our social media handles, and you can also find in that same spot in our link tree, Omada, where you can sign up and compete with us daily in uh, some pretty fun sports picks we've talked about this before but you can basically pick games conventionally like a money line style except there's no real money involved so there's no risk you get the thrill without the risk effectively and sometimes they come up with really cool head-to-head player prop stuff for the Super Bowl there's going to be some fun random non-football stuff in there that It's all just fun to pick, so it's a a really cool thing to get in the habit of doing daily, and we're going to have a reward for whoever wins our our group come playoff time that we will make a more official announcement about soon. So go ahead, get in there nice and early, and, uh, yeah, support Nerd Sesh in as many ways as you choose to, and we appreciate you guys doing whatever you do. So, as always, I've been Carson
4: Braver. I've been up late watching the little Tom and Jerry
3: Real. And this was LeBron Sesh.